I'm Audra. And I'm Sadie. And we are former English lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with fellow lit nerds. And we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations. So pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books. And support your local bookstore. All right, welcome everybody to Lit and Libations. Sorry, Sadie and I have already been chatting, so we're already a little. This could be yeah, a fun one. Yeah, we're already a little <laughs> this could giggly. Be an interesting one to listen to. I'm in a mood. I'm in a mood. Um, yeah. Hi, Sadie. Hi, <laughs> welcome everybody. So we're wrapping up our discussion of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Very excited. I think I really enjoyed talking about it last time. Yeah. Like, this was a book that kind of snuck up on me on how much I liked it even though I'd already read it and I knew I liked it, but it was kind of like a nice, like, I think, I think yeah, it's, it, it, it surprised me a little bit. It, it there's was good. just so much in there that, um, is interesting yeah. to read about. And it's, um, so well written that I, th- I think it's just enjoyable to sit down and read anyway. Um, but it's so fun, like revisiting such a familiar story, but because the thing that people think of when they think about the story is actually pretty far removed from the text. I think it kind of keeps mm-hmm. the text fresh and new because it has never actually, yeah. I think, like fully been um, shown, you know, or talked about on the screen. Um, so it's I think it's just it's fun how new this story still feels after being such a common um, concept. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, before we wrap it up, because we obviously enjoy talking about it and have lots to talk about it. Just as a reminder, uh, Sadie, why don't you remind everybody what we will be reading next? Yes. So the next episode, after we finish talking about Frankenstein, we're going to be reading Samuel Taylor Coleridge's poem, The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. So it was published in a poem poetry collection called Lyrical Ballads with him and William Wordsworth. Um, but if you don't want to buy lyrical ballads, it's totally fine. You can definitely find the poem online and we'll also be doing a reading of it. So hopefully we can try to, you know, you can listen to it and then we'll discuss it. So, um, it should be, I need to practice some enunciation (laughs) exercises. I know. I I feel like I need to do some acting exercises, like where you say, I don't I know. know all those words you know, that sound similar. You know what we should uh, try yeah. to do is uh, we should try to have a uh, Kendrick add uh, like spooky music and like creaking, <gasps> yeah, like ship creaks oh, and we'll stuff do it. and we'll water do it. and waves. Like while we do it, I think he would I, actually probably have he, a lot of fun with that too. He has been voluntold. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, so we'll like record that and put. Okay, perfect. I'm excited about that. We'll we'll chat about that off the podcast, though. You guys don't have to listen. Yeah. To so the, hopefully, um, fingers crossed. The organizational. <laughs> yeah, I don't see any reason why we can't. That'll be okay. fun. Um, and then after. Oh, hold on. I think I picked the book already for ne- that yes. one after that. If people want, I can't remember what it's called. But now I just. I know I just blanked on it. It's my book that I picked. It's I'm the idiot. power of something. I think. Power dog. Dog is in the title. Hold on. I'm going to find it. Mm, damn it. Well, while, while you're looking it up, what are you drinking tonight? Oh, yeah. It's on my Amazon thing. I'll look for it. <laughs> um, I am drinking a rose. It's a so my good friend, Natalie. Um, hi, Natalie, if you're listening, uh, bought this for me. It's a Woodland, Oregon. I think that's just the name of it the woodland organ but it's a pinot noir rosé bubbles oh yummy um 
yeah, it's delicious. Um, so that's what I'm drinking. And I was going to, I was planning cause we talked about it last time I was going to make that hot cocktail again, but this was just so good. Yes. And I opened it the other day, so I wanted to finish it. So I'll have to do that for the rhyme of the ancient Mariner. That'll be a good, like drink to go along with it. Yeah. Send me it. So, um, what are you- I can do that as well. So tonight Brian made me a, an empress blackberry gin fizz. So it's your drink. Your uh, glass is beautiful, by the way. It's very well prepared. Thank I just you. tell like lime, Brian, like we, brava. Like I know we've we've got a dried lime a wedge that like matches the goblet and the drink. See, he really likes doing that stuff, doesn't he? he like does. being a mixologist. He does. He um yeah. he wants me for Christmas to get him this book that um like I think. I think it's the Oxford Dictionary is publishing on like spirits and it's like huge and it's like a really yeah. expensive volume and stuff. And he, I think that's what I'm going to get him for his birthday. So it should be very good, but nice. he, he does really enjoy it. And we got these new goblets just recently that we just love. I just, Super I love, cute. they look vintage. They are vintage. We got them from this lady locally was like selling her house and we've been going through the same realtor and she and her husband um, are retiring and like moving to Florida because people in Massachusetts do that. Everybody moves to Florida. Yes, yes, I'm I'm well aware. <laughs> I'm well aware. They're called snowbirds. Uh-huh. Um, lovely, lovely people. Not the best drivers. Uh-huh. Uh, and they also, yeah, it's an interesting population. It's so there. It is very much a thing. It's, it's interest. It's very. It's it strange. is very strange. Um, well. Maybe it's not. I guess I would like to live in a warm climate, too. I just think, why Florida? Yeah. Like, I feel like you could get, you could actually get more for less if you were willing to leave the country. Like, like move to Costa Rica. Move mm-hmm. to Puerto Rico. Like, there's, I just feel like there's many beautiful climate, warm climate places that are not Florida. But I have a kind of an irrational dislike of Florida. Not necessarily people there. Mm-hmm. I have some very good friends there, but well, like, Florida, Florida. I, I mean, enjoy. I didn't live there, so I can't really speak for it, but I'm just saying I think it's hilarious that every time I feel like something really weird happens like oh, crime wise. There's that game where you put your you put and your like, birthday in. You yeah. <laughs> you put put your birthday in and Florida and like you see it's a game. Have you not played that and you see I what have. weird headline pops up? Yeah, my like, okay, to May do 5th, with Florida. So that's my birthday. Oh, fugitive Florida man on bike hoped hideous blonde wig would disguise him. Um, let's see. Man arrested for attacking daughter with pizza. Oh, my God. The next one down the list after after she didn't want to eat with him. Let's see. Florida, Florida man, man infant at officers. <laughs> Florida man tries to pawn. Oh, wait, his let baby. me just finish this last one real quick. Pawn, okay. Oh, Florida man beat a woman with a cock shell. Oh, Jesus. Like, I mean, yeah. Okay, read your next, your top five. Okay, okay. Florida man tries to pawn his baby. Um, Florida man steals alligator from golf course trying to teach it a lesson. Um, Let's see. Florida man arrested after praising the Lord while highway surfing his Cadillac. Man, Florida man accidentally shoots his own arm and notices two days later. Oh. I mean, yeah. So again, 
right? And not that these kind of things don't happen everywhere, but there is a particularly high percentage of them there, that occur yes. in Florida. So yes. anyway, enough, I guess I'm, I'm sure no one from Florida listens, so I'm not going to, we're not going to get any angry DMs. Although if we would, awesome. Like I wouldn't mind engaging with some angry DMs about Florida because I will win every time. It is not a lovely place to live. It's Agreed. underwater. I know. It's a swamp. It's crazy. I just can't handle, I wouldn't be able to handle living anywhere where like there are alligators just on like the sidewalk sometimes. Did you know it's one, I think it's, it's, I know it's one of the only, if not the only place that where crocodiles and alligators both naturally live. Oh, wow. That's yeah, crazy. Look that up. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah. Anyway, so there's, they, yeah. Cause there's the fresh water and the salt water. <laughs> this is such a funny tangent. Yeah. It's the, the Florida, the Florida Everglades is the only place on earth in which both alligators and crocodiles coexist. That's crazy. So you get them both. You get them both. Yeah, that's not that's not my jam. Okay, that's not yeah. my jam. That is definitely no, not no, no, my no, no. type of area to be. Um, but yeah, they're I guess they're moving to Florida, and so they were getting rid of like all their stuff that they have collected over the last forty five years in their house, and they had these really cool glo- goblets, and so we picked them up. I love. I love... Um, so it's an estate sale. You went to an estate sale. Base, I've always wanted it, to go to an estate there sale. There are a lot of them out here. But yeah, basically it was an estate sale, but it was not like an official state sale. It was like they were eating dinner mm. and we stopped by their house <laughs> and walked through their house. That's awkward. No, they were so sweet, oh, actually. Awkward, I was dude. I was kind of sad. It was kind of awkward. But like I called them. They like walked us through their house. They were so friendly. Um, I was kind of sad because I actually would have loved to be their neighbors. Um, they were really cute. But yeah, they had awesome goblets. And Brian and I really love collecting like really cool glasses and unique glasses. We probably have more glasses than two people could ever need. Um, but mm-hmm. we love collecting cool glassware. Nice. Yeah. Well, it's very cute. And good job to. I know, Brian. I know. Um, okay, so the next, and then after the Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, we are going to be reading um, The Power of the Dog, um, which I don't know why this one has, I've gravitated to, but I've been wanting to read it for a while, so I'm just going nice. with it. I'm not going to analyze it, why. Um, but it was written by, it's written by Don Winslow, um, and he's from Salt Lake. Oh, really? Which is kind of cool, yeah. Um, and it's also... I don't know if the movie's out or will be out, but there's a movie coming out with it, which could be kind of fun to be able to wait. Is it this one? No, it's the different power of the dog. Dude, I am not operating well tonight. <laughs> it's okay. We're just excited. Um, yeah. I mean, this is my third libation for the, for the night because Brian and I went to a pumpkin show and they had, okay, sorry. Power of, Mm. Power of the Dog by Thomas Savage. There are two Power of the Dogs. This one is by Thomas Savage. Okay, cool. And there is an, a, a Netflix film that's coming out. Benedict Cumberbatch, however you say Ooh, his yes. name. Yes, Benedict Cumberbatch. Is in it. Yes, and I, I knew you'd like that. And uh, Kirsten I Dunst. love Benedict but anyway, Cumberbatch. I'm really excited about this book. I know. I knew. I didn't know that. Like, I haven't heard that from your lips, but I knew you'd love I'm him. I'm a what they call a cumberbitch. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm loud and proud about it. <laughs> Good. Okay. Sorry. Yes. Please tell us all about your your pumpkin show today. I'm interested to hear what is the pumpkin show. Okay. So it's not really a show, but so in Massachusetts, uh, there are a lot of like Gilded Age mansions around, um, and Nom Keg is one of them. Can't remember which like big Gilded Age honcho owned it and built it, but it's beautiful. It's stunning. It's a huge estate. And they use it now for like events and it's a museum. And um, every year they have a pumpkin walk, basically. And the entire estate and the house is decorated with hand carved pumpkins. And it's super elaborate and very fun. And they have, that sounds it's very cool. cool. And they have like spiked cider and they kind of turn the old mansion into kind of a haunted house. And, um, yeah. and it's, I mean, very it really cool is sounding. just a huge property. And then it's, it's just where it is. It's just stunning. Um, it's right on the mountain. And so you just get this beautiful, like overlook with like the fall foliage, which is crazy in Massachusetts. It's just so stunning. And they light everything up, so it's, like, um, really kind of spooky when you go at night. And Massachusetts gets really foggy, so there's, like, natural fog in the hills anyway that you're walking through. We went a little earlier, but if we'd gone later, that would have been the case. Um, But we went in, like, the early evening. Um, But it was stunning, and they had, like, really great concessions and, like, hot ciders and mold wines and stuff so it was oh, I can't wait to come visit like next fall it's so like, fun I totally want to do that it's so fun and then yeah that's and then awesome. it's just down the street from like this historic inn called the Red Lion Inn and it's in Stockbridge Massachusetts so that's where um oh what's that one Norman Rockwell like mm-hmm. so many of his paintings are of this town and there's a Norman Rockwell museum right around there but like most of his like downtown America portraits and paintings and stuff, they're like this street that is in this county. And there's this Red Lion Inn that's been around since like it's as old as this nation. It's I think it it's been open since 1775. And they have like a really cool, like old style style um tavern that still very much feels wow. like it's seventeen seventy-five and um beautiful huge like front porch for people to go drink or eat and so after we went to the pumpkin show we went and grabbed a drink at the tavern and enjoyed the front porch and all of the lights and halloween stuff and pumpkins and then came home and got to record this with you so it's really just been like a really fun uh sunday night especially because we weren't planning on going the tickets the oh yeah the the tickets were actually because they sell out every year and the tickets were a gift from um, a coworker of mine, one of the prosecutors nice. that I that I work with. She called me and she was like, "I had a, I have two extra tickets." She's like, "You should totally take them. You should go with your boyfriend." So, oh, that's lovely. I know. That, you know what? That just sounds that sounds so nice. I'm glad, and I definitely want that on the agenda for when I can visit next fall because that sounds awesome. You definitely totally you definitely that. need to come in the fall. It's so it's so gorgeous. Yes. Oh, it's. It's happening. It's it's already set. Okay. It's what we're doing. Cool. So awesome. 
All right. Well, I guess we should talk about our book, mm. which I'm really excited to talk about. Um, so just as a recap, so this we're starting at part three. So we've heard from the monster, the creature, the fiend. Um, he's asking Victor Frankenstein to make him a companion. Um, I love this part because I love that um, Victor goes to like a lot of it's set in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um which, I, if anyone knows me, you know that me and my husband have a very fine affinity for Scotland, and it's a very special place for us. So I always I had love like, no you know, when idea. it pops in. I had no idea. Did you? Yeah, I didn't know that. You can't tell. Have huh? you been I there? mean, my God, I have the like <laughs> outline. I've got the outline tattooed on me. I mean, Jesus, mm, I hope I. I don't know. I don't know. It. So you haven't convinced me. It means very much to you, Audra. <laughs> I know. I know. So Victor, you know, has agreed to this, and he believes that the. The monster is following him, which he is, because he doesn't trust him. Shocker. Um, and I love it. He's working on making this uh, companion on the Orkney Islands, which I could go into talking about the magic of the islands of Scotland. Island people are interesting people. I think it's really interesting yeah. that, like, he goes to an island to work on it. Like, I feel like that rings so true to me. I love the connection of, like, the island and Scotland and this kind of thing that he's doing where it's kind of magic kind of science mm. um the this combination of both new life and destruction you know like he he worries about you know he he second guesses doing this because he's like am i gonna make am i gonna create this race of like evil which i find interesting because one could say the same about humanity like it made me think of i was talking with your brother Steven, this is a while ago, and they were talking about like raccoons mm-hmm. or something, and like how, like, I was like, oh, don't get rid of the raccoons. And he, what did he call them? Not pests. What's a word for something that, like, you know, where it infests? It's not a native species and then it infests. A weed? There's like a word that they call. No, for like any, it's usually creatures. It was like a, anyway, he called raccoons that, like, they're, like an alien you know, like species not, in a way to area, certain areas. Something like it's not it's not native to an area and it's causing destruction. Mm. Like it's you know. And I was like, well, so are people. Mm. And he was just like, oh, so true. And like it made me think of that same kind of argument here. Like you know, Victor is so worried about creating this evil race, this like that's going to cause more destruction. And not that that's not a valid thing to think about. I mean, he's you know playing God, but like he humanity is a you could say the same thing you know what i yes. mean like humanity is the same thing like the the monster has has demonstrated just as much empathy and intelligence and sensitivity and artistry as he has you know destructiveness mm-hmm. and violence and and he's just uh, he's very obviously a human yes like it's just well and, and, and it, he yeah. you know i think the the creature brings up a great point of like how you know, Victor says he's a demon and a monster and this atrocity that he doesn't mm-hmm. want to bring into this world. And at the same time, he's, you know, upset with this creature for doing the exact same thing that he wants to do to the creature. Um, you know, he yep. says, you call it murder when I do this, but you don't think of yourself as a murderer if you were to destroy me. Um, mm-hmm. And just this, this like higher pedestal that Victor puts himself on, um, well and just like humanity on um even though the creature is is entirely 
human. And I mean, literally made up of human parts too. So yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. he is a human and, um, it is kind of this, this, uh, kind of, he, he has blinders on, I think where even when he like feels guilt, I guess, towards doing what he did or like for creating the creature, he's kind of blind to the rest of the destruction that like lies in his wake, you know, and like all the other, or that even he, yeah, the destruction that he's caught. Yeah. There is, there's this weird, uh, admittance of guilt wrapped in like martyr martyrdom. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Which happens like guilt is not a pleasant feeling. It's probably, it's an awful, awful feeling. And so we find ways to like minimize that guilt and like, you know, he kind of vacillates between feeling guilty and I think feeling, um, not proud of himself, but like, you know, it's, it's a powerful feeling. Like he created this being Mm -hmm. and he can also choose, you know what I mean? And he's also kind of can be responsible for its destruction in a way. Like he's not, he's not trying to kill it, but like he, he has the power to bring another life and help this creature or not like he there's definitely this like power play going on which really interesting because like the monster's power is he's trying to find power with it too he can't do this he can't you know what i mean and so he resorts to almost taking away from his creator it there's just there's all these weird power plays going on it's a very abusive relationship it is it is you know what is also (laughs) interesting is like victor feels all this sorry that's not funny but (laughs) victor feels all this guilt for I mean, I think that there, I, I find his, his, uh, proclaiming of guilt a little questionable at times throughout the book, but also yeah. I find it interesting that, um, his guilt really is so limited. Um, I think it's weird yeah. that he feels guilty about this sort of thing, but he doesn't feel guilty about how long he's been stringing Elizabeth along you know and I think well or that he didn't say anything and he could have maybe saved Justine's life which is even more brought to light when he gets arrested so like he doesn't create the female monster the the monster you know tries to convince him and he he won't do it and Victor like he like he escapes right and he goes out to sea to like destroyer yeah he's gonna like dump the parts into the ocean the pots yeah to make sure and like you know falls asleep and goes adrift lands in ireland gets arrested in ireland for his friend clairval's Mm -hmm. murder the creature had killed clairval but he's arrested and he yeah he's in prison but then he's shown to be innocent and which is funny because it's like that didn't happen to poor Mm -mm, justine mm -mm. like and you didn't say anything then if he just just told or talked to literally anybody then he could have saved william he could have saved justine he could have saved elizabeth he could have saved clerval like he he just like Mm -hmm. isn't talking to anybody um until way late and when he's when he's talking to um the men on the ship and it's just Walton, yeah, when yeah. he's talking to Captain Walton, and it's just, it's so ridiculous to me. I have a really hard time, like, I just want to shake Victor. And I also think that there's a lot to be said with, I think, um, his blatant, I think, misogyny of the way he treats Elizabeth, but also, like, 
when you read more of what he talks about, when he talks about um, like going back and forth between like agreeing to build a female companion and then all of the like mm-hmm. the possible repercussions of it. It's like, well, why didn't you think about this when you built the man? Like, why is this such a bigger deal to you when you're talking about a woman and you're talking about like the issues of reproduction? And um, and he talks more too about like what the woman would be capable of um, when she's right. made like in anger, you know, or resentment and frustration. And it's just like, dude, you could have. Why didn't you have this energy from the beginning? <laughs> and also, why don't you yeah. have this energy towards yourself? And I, I, I think that there's like something there about his hesitation and avoidance of marrying Elizabeth for so long, even though he's not really talking about it and identifying it, it seems very strange because I think he knows what he's doing. And then the fact, again, that he doesn't talk to her and he makes this assumption that the creature is coming for him, not his bride. Right. And so instead of just talking to her, then he just makes these decisions for her. And Mm -hmm. that's what leads to her death. And... I think that that is such, I, th- I think, a telling point maybe that Shelley's trying to make about um, men in privileged positions making choices for other people around them that they shouldn't be making choices for. Vic- I mean, Victor makes a choice for the creature when he creates him and then leaves him and abandons him he's making a choice that you know doesn't truly affect him but it it affects Justine when Justine dies um (laughs) yeah I think she makes very interesting points about what people in positions of power do to people who are not in those positions of power and how they frame it with I'm doing this for your own good for the greater good I mean look how many how many people in positions of power make decisions that are affecting not even them, Mm -hmm. but the people that they're supposed to be assisting, but are just in, are just not in power and how detrimental it is to them. And then they frame it in, this is what's best for you. I know what's best. I, you know what I mean? And he does the same thing. It's, it's a very, I mean, it's been going on forever. It will continue to go on forever. Probably it's a, but yeah, she makes some really good points of it. And while it's subtly pointing out, I mean, I'll be honest, the first time I read this, I didn't look at those things in as much depth as what I see the second time Mm -hmm. around of like, just how, like, I, I just don't think I paid as much attention to the, intricacies of victor's character mm-hmm. and how they're really the like detrimental parts of the story yes you know like he causes so much destruction in his wake but but you almost see it more initially from the monster because it's this more physical and you know what i mean like it's less of a psychological destruction but then and, but he's really it's all tied to him and not necessarily because he's the creator but because of this role that he continues to play of being the one in power mm-hmm. like well and he's in in most of his relationships and he's the one telling the story right so in that in and of itself mm-hmm. is, a, is a position mm-hmm. of power of him being able to yeah to express himself fully and explain his reasoning and you know possibly change some of what actually happened like i think that's why i kind of said um 
some of his his guilt, you know, that he talks about feeling, I find kind of questionable. I think it's probably more likely that he was feeling this like after the fact. And it's almost like he's kind of saving himself by saying he was Mm -hmm. miserable and feeling all these things. Sure. And um, to to produce empathy and sympathy from Charles Walton. And I think it's yeah. effective, but I think that in, in, in and of itself of like being in a position where people are willing to listen to you and hear you out and take you seriously, mm-hmm. um, that is one of the, the greatest powers that people can have. Because think about how many people, yeah. you know, have stories to tell that just aren't listened to or given the framework mm-hmm. to do it. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I just think this is so great. And I love, I don't know, maybe I'm overanalyzing it too much, but I love, I thought it was a really interesting that, you know, Victor won't create a partner for the creature. And one of the reasons why is, you know, if they would give rise to this new race and the creature kills elizabeth Mm -hmm. following their wedding before they can consummate produce yeah Yeah. which i find you know a nice parallel because okay he's trying to prevent the creature from producing more like him right what he considers to be evil and fiendish and monstrous and the creature's doing the same thing Mm -hmm. like not only i mean i it's not like implicitly stated that he's doing this to prevent him having children but he's doing this to to hurt him to take from him what he is not being given what he's what's been taken from him but also it's it's doing the same thing i I just think there's so many interesting parallels between the creature and between victor that that mary shelley is pointing out yes um to really you know that's why i really think this is a great horror story because it's the horror of what's reality yeah like well like you said you know this is this is so it is and you you know you kind of before joked uh, um about how this is like an abusive relationship and that's not funny, but like at the same time, like it really is an abusive relationship with a clear cycle of abuse and a clear cycle Mm -hmm. of, um, trying to seek justice or what they think of as justice in the, um, in the form of hurting other people. You know, and and hurting him. Um, It's I think it's just brilliantly done. So another thing I want to talk about, which I think we didn't really touch on last time, but maybe kind of brought up earlier when we were talking about the setting of Scotland um, as a backdrop to him doing his work. But I would love to ask you about what you think this book does and like the in in as far as its depictions of um, nature and earth and like what its role is in the novel, because I think this novel is such a great text for like romantic literature and like showing feeling through descriptions of nature. Mm-hmm. And I want, I would yeah. love to know like what you thought about that in this book and um, what do you think it like adds to the story? I agree. I mean, and particularly with, the parts with Scotland because that's one of the things I love about Scotland is to me it's this place where it's I don't know I'm very much into and very much always looking for these um, illustrations of the yin and the yang the dark and the light 
I know that's an oversimplification of what yin and yang is, but that idea of dark and light. And I feel like Scotland is a really great physical representation of that, like mm-hmm. a natural representation, because one, there's so many very different, um, uh, what's the word? Oh, anyway, you, you know, you can have these islands where there's white sand beaches and bright blue oceans, and then you can have these dark misty There's a hills, lot of like geological differences. Highs. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And it's and it's a combination of the dark and the light. And I mean, even the like. So I think that that's really what I take from her natural descriptions in the book is to continue to highlight that, because I think that's such a big point of this novel of the good and the bad in humanity mm-hmm. and represented through what he creates. I mean, I, I, I mean, for me, the first time I read this, I know we kind of already touched on this because it's in the first part of what we covered but like I think the impression that you get of the monster Mm -hmm. before we hear from the monster is one thing right and it's more dark and it's scary and you know he's ugly and and his words and his thoughts are so beautiful Mm -hmm. and I think it just he's there's just so many representations of that balance in here and I think Scotland's a great place to put it and I think that part of the world is a great place to put it because also there's so many amazing things that have come out of that part of the mm-hmm. world and also so many shitty, awful things. I mean, it's an island of colonists, yes. like colonizers. Yes. Like it's it's also a really, uh, there's a lot of awfulness that has come from there as well as beautiful art. Like mm-hmm. that's the whole thing. Like there's just, it's such a hard thing to reconcile. And I think that that's a lot of what's talked about in the book. And that's a lot of what's scary is that this is, you well, know, and I agree. I agree. I Going off on tangents. Well, I but. think you're right. And I think also, I think Nietzsche, especially like in her really geological descriptions of the world and nature, mm-hmm. um, I love how it, it kind of shows just how small and like truly mm-hmm. insignificant humanity is. Like there's this great part. Um, it's in the earlier... Uh, section of the novel uh, chapter two I think of volume two but um, it talks about why does man boast of sensibilities so it's like it's after this great big description of earth so he's like I looked on the valley beneath vast mists were rising from the rivers which ran through it and curling in thick wreaths around the opposite mountains whose summits were hid in the uniform clouds while rain poured from the dark sky and added to the melancholy impression I received from the objects around me. Alas, why does man boast of sensibilities superior to those apparent in the brute? It only renders them more necessary beings. If our impulses were confined to hunger, thirst, and desire, we might be nearly free. But now we are moved by every wind that blows and a chance word or scene that that word may convey to us. And I think like this... She shows, I think, with her emphasis on nature, um, how really like self-important humans are, and and you know, it's mm-hmm. only like mm-hmm. I think Victor's desire to figure out the 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 difference between like life and death and how to bring somebody back alive, like that's something that only people who like think that we are the most important thing on earth. Desire, And I love how this focus on nature makes man small and in the grand scheme of things. And like this is something that I feel pretty strongly too. like living in a climate crisis is that Earth is going to survive. We are not. We do not matter. Mountains that have been there forever, they're still going to be there. 
Rivers are still going to flow, but we are going to be gone one day. We are. And I find it kind of, I, I mean, I understand like, you know, some people that can be terrifying. It can lead to some of this horrific af- like aspect of this novel of just feeling small, feeling powerless mm-hmm. in the wake of nature. But I also think in some ways, depending on where you are in society, that is a comfort in a way too. Um, that ultimately in the grand scheme of, of earth and geological time, which we occupy a sliver of, um, ultimately in, in this grand scheme, the creature and Victor are equals in the sense that they're going to be dust in the earth and nobody's going to remember yes. them. And yeah, and, and in a way that's the only place that I think humankind and the characters in this novel can find equality is in the space of geological time. And like, I think that's such an interesting thing to think about and, um, yeah. And to grapple with. And I think that's one of the, the horrors of kind of like speaking of science and speaking of, um, you know, like experimentation and figuring out how the world works like that is something that we continue to have to grapple with is the fact that we haven't been here for long and we're not going to likely be here for long. And no, I, so it's just so many, even the setting, how we start with them being in the Arctic and, you know, and then, you know, with the ending, the the ship becomes trapped in ice. Mm -hmm. Um, don't have to worry about that now probably, Mm -hmm. but you know, and people like several of the men on the ship, they die from like, hypothermia and you know from the cold and they're wanting to return south once they can get out of the ice and victor has obviously not learned his Mm -mm. damn lesson and he like he's like no like you have to keep going and he gives them this very you know i don't say powerful because i feel it was powerful but like you can tell he really like this was from the heart like this very intense speech about you know, being an ex an explorer and their expedition and that even though it's hard, like it's, you have to like go through these things and urges them to be men and not mm-hmm. cowards by returning South, like by putting, taking themselves out of a dangerous situation. And some of them like are all for it, but they, they continue to try and leave once the ship is free and Walton decides to return South as well. And yeah, I think even that, like, I, I think the setting of that too, like how it starts with their heading to the Arctic and then how it ends with them being kind of, um, I mean, and that's how it's kind of talked about that way. Like, you know, the the creature and Victor both will die, you know? And so Victor, Victor dies and, um, and then Walton finds the monster, the creature on the ship, like crying or mourning over Victor. Mm -hmm. And the creature tells Walton, you know, that this doesn't make him, this doesn't settle things for him. He's not, he doesn't feel peace. Like this makes him even more miserable, like with everything that's happened and just this whole thing. And then the, the he says he's basically going to kill himself so that ever, no one else has to like deal with him. And the creature drifts away on an ice raft. Yeah. Like, and I think that even how he dies where it's from the power of the cold and nature and like, yeah, she makes some really good points. You're right. I hadn't really thought about that, but about, you know, where, where the true power is. 
mm-hmm. you know, Victor finds himself all powerful and the creature is obviously very strong and has caused a lot of destruction. There's elements of power to that for sure. And in the end it's, you know, the mother nature, like for it's, lack it's of a like, better term. it's meaningless really. When you think about like the yeah. elements, like yeah. thinking about, um, Cause I think that, yeah, like this book just talks so much about power and destruction and creation at the same time, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter when, again, we're just existing within like this greater, yeah, we are, we, we just really are. I, I, it's actually really interesting when I studied this book in college, my professor did a very interesting thing where he invited actually um, a couple that were both professors of geology to come talk to us. So he had them read the book and then come talk to us about what it is like to study um, rocks and geological time and and that framework. And they kind of talked to us about where humans fit in geologically. And Mm -hmm. they, they said, if you look at the the earth's life as a day. So a 24 hour period. Um, it's no, it wasn't even a day. It was a year. They said, if you look at the earth, if you look at the universe and like earth's life and you say it's a year, we occupy the last hour of that time. That's it. Yeah. As human beings. And you know, so many things that we see and that we experience, we discover, you know, again, we attribute it to our discovery, but in reality, you know, it's been there so long, like, well, it's interesting how differently that's reacted to. Like, I think for some people, their reaction to that is almost this like fear and, and that makes them yearn for more control and power. Like, well, there's a level of Frankenstein's there's a, a level of, of panic, right? Like we don't want to think that like yeah, yeah. our experiences are meaningless. And I think like, well, no one wants to be no, unimportant. No. And like, I think, and it's, you know, the, I think it pushes these feelings, this fear, I think pushes a lot of people towards things like religion, you know, and that's fine if like that works for specific people. But I, you know, that's another thing that we've created that has led to destruction. And um, it's just, it's a hard, difficult thing to grapple with. But I think at the same time, there's a level of comfort in um, the fact that, I don't know, I find comfort in the fact that it doesn't matter in some ways. Well, I, what I find comfort in through the novel, despite so much of the, you know, I think it's a very blatant description of like the evilness of men. I think there's also as equal, I mean, maybe don't know, maybe this is annoying, but just the whole dark and light thing. There's equally as mm-hmm. much some hope that I take from it, from the idea that this, creature is created in these kind of awful circumstances these horrible things are done um but he's something that has self-awareness and has yes um you know a desire for 
love and comfort and peace and can recognize that it's not found through violence. He doesn't find peace through, you know, Victor's death or through any of the other crimes. And, and honestly, like in a weird way, I, I find the ending really hopeful Mm -hmm. that he basically commits suicide because he is thinking of a greater good in a way. And like, I think there's enough of that in humanity that it helps balance out the shittiness. Like it's hard not to feel, not to just feel like, God, we're all just screwed, you know, every day, different news alerts and things that you listen to. And so it's, it can be hard to find that. And I, I mean, personally for me, that's kind of where I find it is that there are enough examples of and people and things that demonstrate there's a balance and it's just always trying to keep to keep that balance and tip the scales a little bit more in the good like that's all one can do every day and that was the creature's act of it I I think think so too and I think you know I think it says a lot that even with this you know kind of battle against each other it's their relationships to each other that ultimately is what gave him um the I guess, will to live, you know, it's like just feeling something and having someone to, to feel something towards is what made his life matter. And I think that that's similar to us. And that's why I think, you know, like, yes, like geologically, I don't think humans matter in the grand scheme of what the universe is going to end up like. But I also think that this in our lives is the only time it's going to truly matter. And I think that's even more reason to be present Mm -hmm. and to participate in life and to participate in education and to participate in art and to read and to have companionship and to love because no, it's not going to matter in a million years, but it matters now. And I think that's why we should be more present in life because I think it is those, those relationships and the companionship and, and the participation of what it means to be human that makes it matter. And I think that's why, you know, it's tragic that the creature can't, is not allowed to participate. Um, and, and like, if you're not allowed to participate, then like, and then the one person that you had any type of relationship with is gone, you know, then I think, it's um I think it shows even if it's negative like it can still matter to you and to your experience in your life and like you know that's why I think like it's kind of like a nihilistic take to say that nothing matters but at the same time I think that there's like kind of freedom in that um because you can choose kind of what matters to you and to your life and your experience and the people you care about and um yeah you can try to make a difference that, um, you know, like can save your generation or the following generations, you know, cause this book I think also has a lot to do with, um, creation and generations and like what it means to create and, um, experience new life. And I think this book just says a lot about how it really does matter how we treat the human beings around us, even if it's hard sometimes yeah. to humanize everybody you interact with. Yeah. Well Thank said. You. I love this book. Yeah. <laughs> I just think it's so incredible. I do too. I, 
I I do too. I'm really glad it. Re- like I said, it really snuck up on me how much I enjoyed it because I already knew I liked it, but it was like, yeah, it was just great. Really, really good pick. I'm really glad we did it. Good choice. Thank you. I don't remember which one of us picked it, but it was good. I think it was a mutual mutual kind of decision. Like, yeah. It was, and that's why it was so good. We used our powers. Our powers <laughs> <Yes>. combined <laughs> picked one of our our best ones yet. Well, and talk about like a feat of creation, right? Of like Mary Shelley yeah, being a yeah. teenager when she wrote this this novel. Um, I know. I feel very um, unaccomplished. I just feel. I mean. I do too. I also feel unaccomplished, but I also just feel so (laughs) inspired. Like it's just so, I'm so proud, even though like I don't have any relation to her, that you never knew her. I just like seeing somebody accomplish something like this. It just like makes my heart happy. Yeah, for sure. It's great. Good choice. Is there anything else that you want to touch on before we Mm. wrap it up? I mean, we could probably talk for hours, but... No. We pr- should probably put a limit no, on things. I, I well, I'm really excited for Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Me too. Mariners, so I, really, I really am hoping sure Kendrick can add the sound effects. It'll be really cool. <laughs> I I have... He has already been voluntold. Okay. Like, we're going to make okay. it work. I don't see why he couldn't... Yeah. So we'll have a nice recording of that for your listening pleasure. So I guess you don't have to read it if you don't want to, but maybe give it a read beforehand. Oh, I, we'll I, do a discussion I definitely recommend that. it because um, there are some... Uh, purposeful spelling errors in that book that I think are in the poem that are very, very yeah. fun to talk oh. about. So I I still would recommend yeah. looking at a copy, even if you listen to us talk about For it. For sure. Yeah, so go pick up a copy, find a copy of it, read it, um, and that's what we'll be discussing next time. Um, so thanks, everybody, for yeah. listening. Bye. Bye.